non-stop campaigns of mowing the lawn, killing as many Palestinians and uh, putting us in a place, in a corner where we can't do anything to defend ourselves. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. And I'm Asa Winstanley. Welcome back to the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman with Asa Winstanley. We're back from a short summer break and Asa is back from a special project, which uh, we'll talk about in due time. Um, But uh, today we're talking about uh, the current situation in Gaza after um, Israel launched a surprise attack in early August. Over three days, the Israeli military killed nearly 50 Palestinians, including 17 children. Gaza's Ministry of Health reported 360 injured, including at least 151 children, 58 women, and 19 elderly persons. As people in Gaza struggle to rebuild yet again, Israel has continued its killing spree in the occupied West Bank after its ceasefire with Islamic Jihad in Gaza took effect on August 8th. The day after the ceasefire, an early morning assault by occupation forces in the old city of Nablus killed three Palestinians, including a child, and injured almost 70 with live ammunition. Hours later, occupation forces fatally shot another Palestinian child in Hebron. Since January, Israel has killed at least 20 children in the West Bank, according to Defense for Children International Palestine. Israel has been conducting rampant arrest raids and attacks across the West Bank. And last week, the Israeli army raided the offices of seven Palestinian human rights organizations in the West Bank, including the six groups that were designated last year by the Israeli government as, quote, terrorist organizations. According to Al-Haq, a Palestinian human rights group, the Israeli military entered the Ramallah area at 3 a.m. on August 18th and raided its offices as well as those of Admir, the Bisan Center for, Center for Research and Development, Defense for Children, International Palestine, the Union of Agricultural Work Committees, and the Union of Palestinian Women, Women's Committees. A seventh organization, the Union of Health Work Committees, was also reportedly raided that same night. These designations have been denounced by UN experts and were rejected by nine European Union states that fund the targeted groups for lack of evidence substantiating Israel's claims. Joining us to talk about all of this is our friend Rifat Alarir. Rifat is the editor of Gaza Writes Back, short stories from young writers in Gaza, Palestine. He teaches world literature and creative writing at the Islamic University of Gaza and recently wrote the article, Without Consequences, Israel Will Continue to Murder Palestinians on August 7th for the Electronic Intifada. Rafat, thank you so much for joining us again on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you, Noah, for having me. Thank you, Asa. We're really glad you're safe uh, after this latest round of attacks. Um, but let's start by having you talk about what you and your family, your young daughters, experienced earlier this month as Israel once again attacked Gaza. Tell us what it was like as a parent um, during those three days. And, and, you know, just this comes just a year after Israel's massacre in May 2021. Uh, I think this is what Israel is doing is uh, nonstop campaigns of mowing the lawn, killing as many Palestinians and uh, putting us in a place, in a corner where we can't do anything to defend ourselves and uh, our rights. 
uh, when Israel started bombing my little Amal, uh, about whom I wrote in the article for the community father, asked her mother uh, if there is going to be another war. And I was, it was really hard on me as a, as a father, as a parent, a little kid, five, six years old, preparing in three weeks to go to, to school, to start school. And she's asking about another war happening in her, in her short life. Uh, life, and 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 that was the spark of, of 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 the article. But this is what the kids in in, in Gaza go through uh, every every year, every two years uh, maximum. Again, in between these huge massive campaigns, Israel also never stops uh, uh, bombing Pal- Palestinians. So it's very traumatic. It's like a nightmare that uh, you you never wake from a nightmare that leads to a nightmare and leads to a nightmare like a Pandora, uh, Pandora's box. Uh, uh, as a father, as a parent, we are helpless. We don't know what to do. We, we can't uh, find a solution for, uh, for this. Tell us a little bit about um, uh, what it's been like in the aftermath of, of those three days um, and how your daughters uh, did they eventually you know go to school i mean what what is it like trying to kind of you know live your normal life um after so much destruction and and so much terror and the nightmares that you just mentioned the uh usually there is no like i said there is no normal in, in gaza we never have normal days because even when we go back we go back to the siege, to the occupation, to dying slowly, to lacking uh, electricity, lacking power, lacking uh, even sometimes basics uh, for food, for books sometimes, and school materials, uh, sometimes uh, clothed with Israel, sometimes tightening the news and closing the, the borders and not allowing Palestinian uh, uh, cancer patients and others to go to seek uh, the treatment. Uh, the aftermath is uh, usually uh, no bombs, but a lot of talks about uh, about what happened and how how things happened. And you are always forced to listen to the little ones talking about the bombs and what happened and who was afraid, who wasn't afraid. You know, sometimes kids try to prove that they were, you know, uh, heroes despite what happens during the the, the, the bombings. Usually. There are screams, there are uh, tears. Uh, you, you know, you can imagine how, how kids react when there is a bombing near, nearby. After war, after uh, in the aftermath, it's usually kids uh, talking about wars, like sometimes like politicians speaking about the missiles and the bombings, or uh, it would usually be uh, very devastating when they realize that. Uh, a friend of, of of them was killed, or a little one that went to nursery with them was was killed, or that the the, 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 the family house uh, of, uh, of of relatives, like what happened to my relatives uh, last uh, last year. Uh, uh, my my in laws' house was destroyed, and the little ones uh, no longer had a home. And uh, my, uh, my 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 kids, Lena and my uh, Lena and Amal were talking about, because their mother was uh, saying something about them losing everything, their clothes and toys, and then the little ones were saying that, telling their mom if, if, if they can give some of their clothes and some of their toys. So there's usually after the wars, after the Israeli uh, uh, 
uh, attacks and onslaughts. There is a lot of pain and a lot of trauma, and there is a lot of this, you know, I, I would say this poetic reaction from kids. You don't want them to be, you, you want your kids to be generous. You want them to be selfless, but you don't want them to be talking about war in the context of, of war. You, you love your kids when they share their sweets or their clothes or their toys with, with other kids when they hang around. But uh, when this happens, it's, it's so sweet, so beautiful, but at the same time, it's, it's that kind of sweetness and beauty you don't want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Rafati, you wrote in your piece that um, saying Palestinians have become accustomed to Israel's carnage when elections approach. Israeli leaders know the best way to win votes is to flex their muscles. Um, and I I think that is, um, it was particularly clear in this um, round of violence, this, uh, this this Israeli assault, this particular Israeli assault against Gaza, because there was no there was no pretext, you know, there was no um, there was nothing that they could say that oh well you know um, the the Palestinian fighters started firing at us first, um, you know, even though that's that's always bogus anyway, just <clears throat> because of the very nature of Israel, um, but. In this day, you know, it was it was they called it. A, uh, I think they called it a preemptive action, a preemptive strike kind of thing. So there was no, you know, it it just seemed particularly acute that it was just particularly cynical and it was particularly, um, pre, you know, premised on the upcoming Israeli elections. Um, so there's that factor as you put in your piece, but um, you also say it's wrong to assume that Israel only kills when elections are on the horizon. And that these regular killings are part of a hundred year strategy to eliminate Palestinians despite political theater. So could you talk uh, about that a little? The, uh, the Israeli society is a highly militarized society, maybe more than, than American society. Uh, in 2014, I, I remember, you know, more than 2,400 people were massacred and, you know, Many Israelis were on top, on top of certain hills around Gaza looking at the bombs falling. Gaza, like a theater described by American uh, correspondents. So there was a poll, I think, uh, the article was published on Vice, talking about uh, more, I think, 94% of Israeli Jews supporting the ongoing uh, massacres and destruction of Gaza. So the Israeli politicians and leaders, they know this, they know this very well. They know how to win votes. They win how to win seats. They know how to do it by killing Palestinians, by making our life miserable, by proving that uh, it was Bennett who said, I, I killed Arabs, I'm proud of it. Right? Because he knows, uh, despite, you know, this could resonate horribly around globally, but they don't care about the public opinion. They don't care about, because there will not be uh, punishment. There will not be consequences for what, for what they don't do. Uh, and I remember when, when this, campaign started, uh, I was one of the people who posted that, yeah, there is an Israeli election coming and, you know, people want to show to, uh, you know, flex their muscles by killing Palestinians. And then uh, there were so many people talking about this, 
Israeli journalists, uh, even non-Palestinians, pro-Palestinians and others. Uh, but for Palestinians, we've been uh, suffering for decades under this military, uh, brutal military regime, military rule. Whether there are elections or not, we're exposed to uh, Israeli uh, killing machines. We're killed day and night. We're being suffocated. And even if Israel is not killing us, shedding our blood, we're being suffocated when you can't travel. When somebody, I know people in Gaza, who, people who die because they can't go to, to the West Bank or to Jerusalem because they will get arrested at Ares because 30 years ago they threw stones at uh, Israeli military jeeps or because a family member uh, uh, was a freedom fighter. So the reality on the ground that sadly not many people see is that they are at 24 7. Uh, Israel is uh, killing us, suffocating us, shedding our blood. And, and for many people, this slow death that happens is even worse in so many ways. At least when Israel starts a war, many people pay, start paying, paying attention. And even like, like, when we talk about truce or Allah or ceasefire, it never stops because. Uh, like Noah said, uh, in less than a day after the truce, Israel killed three Palestinians and injured many. I think two of them were succumbed to their uh, wounds, one of them today. So the reality is that Israel kills more when there are elections in the horizon, but Israel is always killing uh, Palestinians and suffocating them. Yeah, and part of that suffocation is the siege, the blockade, um, you know, 15, 15 year old blockade. Um, can you talk about how that kind of punctuates? Uh, you know, you were talking earlier about there is no, there's no, you know, semblance of normalcy in the Gaza Strip when every, you know, everything is, is under blockade, when there are no medications, when there, are uh, extensive barriers to freedom of movement um, and imports and exports. And, you know, I mean, it, it just, it permeates every, every single molecule of life in Gaza. Um, and, you know, once, once the, the, the bombs stop, um, the media leaves and no one talks about, the, you know, the ongoing um, violence of the blockade itself. Um, can you talk a little bit about about that and um, and how how the siege uh, is is operating now, mm -hmm. you know, 15, 16 years later. I, I usually like to talk about the siege uh, being tightened uh, in 2006 because there has always been a siege. When the occupation starts, when colonization starts, it besieges the people uh, at the same time. Uh, controls the movement, restricts the movement. Uh, people who want to travel, people who want to seek, you know, medical treatment, who want to just want to travel for fun, for business, for uh, for uh, uh, studies, etc. Uh, so we have always. I remember in I was in grade uh, I, probably I was in grade seven, and the teacher asked a question. There was a passage in the book that counts Arab countries. And there was a blank space in the very strange in the middle, and he said, "Can somebody, can anybody guess what's going on here?" And we didn't know. We were little kids, like I, I think I was in grade six or seven. And he said, 
the space was the word Palestine in Arabic. It was erased because the Israeli military controls the box that come to Gaza, what we did, even the word Palestine. And the other day I was reading about uh, one Israeli Zionist troll, uh, uh, she was angry about the Palestinian Torah, I think. It's a term in, in Judaism and how Zionism is like, you, you shouldn't use the word uh, Zion, uh, Palestine. And I remembered an article from Haaretz from, I think, five years ago uh, when an Israeli zoo uh, was categorizing a gazelle as a Palestinian gazelle, giving it the, the scientific name. And there was an uproar of many Israelis protested, like, why are you using the word? You should be sued for this. There should be, you shouldn't say Palestinian at all. So this is uh, the state of, of siege Israel wants to control. Uh, again, it's, it's uh, people and also wants to control us more, the way, even the word Palestine. And I remember friends who spent six, uh, in, in the first intifada, six months in prison for raising the Palestinian flag or for having the picture of yeah, a small, tiny picture of Yasser Arafat or for sometimes wearing a T-shirt with a coffee or something. So the siege has always been there. Uh, what sometimes what and uh, what what to wear, what to do, what to say, where to go, where not to go. But 15 years ago, it was tied to the extent of suffocation, when literally the Israelis were counting the calories entering Gaza. It's a little bit bitter now, and things improved a little bit. But it's it's improved because it's part of this political game. Gaza is being used as a lab. They test everything. They see they want to starve us to starve Palestinians. I think that the uh, 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 unemployment rate reached uh, 40, 50% uh, sometime in, in, in Gaza. Too. They want us to, to starve Palestinians. They want to control our movements. They want to control, to control what we eat. We've seen reports sometimes what is like not allowing box, not allowing uh, chocolate sometimes. It's like, because they want to tell the world, to tell us that we are going to control you no matter what. What you do, and this is what we refuse as Palestinians. We reject Israeli rule. We don't want to submit to Israeli uh, rule. And uh, the more barbaric, the more uh, brutal Israel grows, the more resilient and the more determined Palestinians become. I think I mentioned this in the article. Can't remember whether I took that uh, paragraph out. Uh, that Israel has been killing us, has been bombing us for. No, I think the paragraph was edited out. There was a paragraph about uh, the leaders of today being the very little kids 20 years ago, seeing other people killed by Israel. And the Israeli terror, the Israeli massacres did not terrorize those people to, to, to become uh, cowards, to give up, to say, oh my God, we can't fight back, we can't. No, they grew up to be leaders. And, 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 and there is, if you follow this from a military point of view, like the more, like when Israel kills military uh, leaders, the ones that come are more determined and more uh, uh, ferocious in a sense, uh, more, uh, uh, you know, to fight back, to create new ways to uh, hopefully uh, contribute to ending Israeli uh, occupation. Yeah, these stories about um, Israel even trying to ban and eradicate the word Palestine. Um, that's really interesting about the the animals as well. Um, I remember so many different stories about this. Like the the word Palestine is just such a threat to them. Like they consider it to be such a threat to them. 
and it's like a, I know it's bizarre like to even remove it from textbooks like this um you know it, this is the actions of a dictatorship like this is actions of a cult really I mean I, I saw this Netflix documentary I was watching this Netflix documentary recently about a, a cult in America and these the fundamentalist Mormons um and um you know as it became more and more extreme they began sort of um the leader began sort of trying to eradicate scientific learning and they would go through and they would cut out the pages of of uh books that um you know when it basically anything that went against his teachings and uh you know here's israel doing the same thing to palestinians to try and eradicate palestine yeah it shows what mm -hmm. i mean yeah. Well, it shows how, how threatened they, and they know, you know, like there's a whole, I mean, you can get into the psychology of, of Zionism. Um, they give me the stories in the Sheikh Jarrah with the balloons and Israeli yeah. soldiers. Yeah. Really yeah. Hard, yeah. Right, to bring down a bunch of balloons. It's like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. I think there was, like, talk, speaking about how Israel, I'm trying to understand this, there was, I think, a military uh, attack by Palestinian resistance on Gaza's uh, fence when they put a Palestinian flag and it was booby-trapped. Right. And then the soldier, like, you know, nonchalantly took it and he wanted to throw it and it was, oh my God. And sometimes it's like, it, it backfires. If you hate yeah. the flag this much, like, okay, you need to pay, to pay the price sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and it, it, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you're, you're a, a, an educator, you're a professor at the university, and, um, you know, you do a lot of literature, but you also do media criticism, at least, you know, at least on, on Twitter. Um, the, you know, not only is, is the, the establishment media ignoring the siege, the, the blockade, um, but, but it, it, it doesn't uh, retract or, or, or issue corrections um, when information comes out about um, Israel's uh, obvious culpability in um, certain attacks. Um, you know, for example, these military, the Israeli military admitted uh, it killed five Palestinian children in Gaza um, in one of the many attacks after initially lying that the atrocity was caused by an Islamic Jihad rocket that fell short. Um, the explosion took place on August 7th at the Afaluja Cemetery west of Jabalia refugee camp uh, in northern Gaza. Um, they, you know, these children were uh, apparently visiting the grave of their grandfather and uh, Israel dropped a missile. Um, can you talk about the impunity of Israel and the so-called international community's absolute silence and complicity with this kind of violence and and you know really how how the media kind of absolves um israel of, of any responsibility as well i think when it comes to palestinians we have long given up on the international community on america or europe or just because these are the very people protecting israel and sending israel the weapons in 2014 when israel ran out of some kind of uh uh, shells, I think, they totally just opened the doors to American store uh, warehouses in uh, inside occupied Palestine, and they took as uh, many as they wanted, because America is here to protect to protect Israel. And we see how Israel is even 
interfering in American politics, but no one wants to talk about that uh, uh, either. So on, on the, uh, the Palestinian, the public opinion is that there is no way that officially America is going to do anything or Europe is going to interfere. All they can do is just lip service. And the media is complicit, sadly. The media is complicit. We've seen how uh, uh, even trying, attempting to 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 support Palestine, like we see what happened with Ilhan Omar, for example, or Rashid Atleb, how they are viciously attacked by uh, American uh, pundits on CNN and everywhere, uh, accused of uh, being anti-Semitic. The Palestinians have realized this long ago, and we are sad that the Palestinian official, you know, representatives still try to uh, to find a way among. Uh, these, you know, supporters to, you know, to find help and help is not going to come. The only help that comes is the one that wants the Palestinian Authority to control us by proxy. Israel can no longer be inside Gaza or cannot be inside the West Bank 24-7, especially in areas where there are, you know, resistance growing every every day. So you get the money, uh, you carry the weapons, you protect, you protect us. Uh, so when it when it comes to the to to the official again media, this is how people most people uh, feel. But we are very hopeful that uh, on the, uh, the, the you know the grassroots, the uh, organizations, the you know the uh, unions, the uh, the people who vote can can say something. We've seen this in two thousand fourteen, and in, even in two thousand. Uh, 21 during uh, the COVID pandemic, people went talk to the street. The more people take to the uh, take to the street, the more hope we have that this is going to impact. Because this, you know, even with politicians who go to Congress or anywhere else, they still give us, you know, limited sometimes. But at least when people are talking about how, like when Rashid Tlaib describes Israel as apartheid or accuses Netanyahu or uh, the Israeli government of being racist, of being brutal, being war criminals. This is this is good. It, at least people, more and more people are paying are paying attention to uh, 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 to, to this. And uh, one one of the worst things about the, the media, the official media, is that I think sometimes there are more uh, like more military, more anti-Palestinian than Israel itself, because Israel does this, uh, because there will always be accountability, this limited accountability inside the uh, the colony. Uh, uh, Israel said, no, we didn't kill these kids. And now everybody else knows Israel didn't kill itself. Palestinians killed themselves. And then a couple of days later, I said, oops, we did it. it. It was, you know, we were going to investigate, but nobody else, not even on the personal level like in the West, is going to be willing to say, uh, uh, sorry, there is a correction about something we did here. Uh, we've seen how, uh, even in other massacres, we've seen how Israelis on social media, uh, there are so many Israeli accounts and creating these fake uh, organizations, Middle East intelligence or, um, I don't know, Palestine, Gaza news, and run by Israelis who get, I think, money from uh, uh, from Israel. There was this guy who celebrated this, celebrated the uh, the attack 
uh, was saying like Israel liquidated five Palestinian freedom fighters in Jabalia. And then it turned out that this is actually a massacre. Uh, five or six kill, uh, kids were, were killed. And then he deleted his, uh, his, uh, his tweet. And there was also a video, I'm not sure if you, if, if you saw this, a video the Israeli army posted saying that uh, we wanted to hit this house because there are missiles inside, but we didn't because there was a passerby. And a video cut and, and the soldier saying, stop, uh, abort. And then there was another, another Israeli, Israeli official uh, Twitter account that posted the whole video. And actually, like a moment after the video, the, the, the video posted by the first account was cut, there was another car coming to the, the place and the, the, uh, the place was, was hit. So it, it, in reality, Israel fakes this, uh, fabricates many things. And the world, uh, many news, um, the media, in America especially, they copy, paste the Israeli uh, uh, press releases, the Israeli military press releases, word for word. What Israel says is usually the fact. What Palestinians say uh, is usually doubtful, according to Palestinian sources. Palestinians say allegedly, but Palestinian Israelis report facts. This, this is very unprofessional. This is going to be, uh, hopefully, the change is going to come soon, but many people should be ashamed of, of doing this because this is not uh, journalism. Exactly. Yeah, it's similar to, um, it makes me think of what happened with uh, Shireen Abu Akhla because, yeah. um, I don't know, I reached the point where I don't read all these investigations anymore because... You know, it's like, why do we need uh, however many it was, like seven or eight different investigations into who killed Shirin Abu Akhla? Like, there were, you know, there were all these journalists who witnessed it and that, you know, that it was a deliberate killing of a Palestinian journalist by Israeli soldiers, you know. Um, it was very clear there was no crossfire happening. There was no, you know, gun battle happening. It was a completely unprovoked killing, and just and yet the Western media just and and the the American government needs all these uh, investigations, which then when they do happen, end up the American so called investigation ended up being inconclusive very right. conveniently. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they say we're still we'll st we're still waiting for more evidence to surface, or you know it's inconclusive, or yeah. you know we're we're waiting for Israel's um, you know further investigation because it can investigate itself fairly apparently. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's very frustrating. Yeah, and meanwhile yeah. we have uh, the attacks on you know human rights. Uh, organizations that are documenting these war crimes and have forensic evidence and all the reports, you know, that that would be needed, um, you know, to to prove uh, Israel's responsibility and culpability in these kinds of attacks. Um, Michael Svard, an Israeli lawyer representing some of the designated, you know, the, the groups that um, that the Israeli government designated as as terrorist. Um, said that the attacks on the organizations last week was motivated out of, quote, 
desire to frustrate the international criminal court investigations. Um, and Benny Gantz, as we've reported many, many times, the Israeli defense minister who imposed the, the designations is uh, a person of interest in the court's probe over his role in Israel's targeting of civilians during um, its, its attacks on Gaza. Um, so there is a direct link between you know, what the Israeli government wants to cover up um, and, and, and what these organizations are trying to reveal um, and, and prove to the international court where Israel could be held accountable. Um, can you talk about what, I know this happened in the West Bank and, and you're in Gaza, but, um, but there are field offices in Gaza that are um, you know, affiliated with these yeah. organizations. Can you talk about some of the, the reverberations that have happened since those attacks? And this, this really, sorry to butt in, but this relates to what you wrote in your piece that we mentioned earlier as well, Rifat, about um, the Israeli leaders knowing about the best way to win voters to flex their muscle and right. flex their muscles. Because right. Benny Gantz, the very same guy who, you know, has outlawed these organizations as human rights organizations documenting war crimes as terror designation, is basically trying to protect himself. Because he was yeah. the, the the very same guy who had a election um, advert um, in one of the the last few elections, um, threatening to send Gaza back to the Stone Age. Right. So you know it's it it's um it, it all ties up. Exactly. Uh, this is uh, in, in 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 many ways like I don't know. Sometimes it's frustrating talking about this. Because it doesn't matter sometimes what we say. It doesn't matter what Palestinians uh, Palestinians say. It's uh, we keep shouting and screaming and, and and you know reporting and all over social media. There are hundreds of Palestinians, uh, pro Palestinians, thousands of them out there exposing Israel. And Israel uh, knows that no matter how uh, many of its crimes and massacres we've seen, would be. We you know recently we've seen many of the Israeli crimes committed in the uh, late 40s, early 50s against Palestinians in Tantura here and there. Israel doesn't doesn't care. Uh, so th th that is very interesting because there is a lot of immunity. Israel kills with, with immunity. Israel knows it's not going to be held uh, to account by anybody. I know ICC, uh, not even you know they, like 20 years ago. There were reports about how is America should, you know, you know, uh, slap Israel on the wrist like a, a little kid, you know. But even now, it doesn't matter because Israel is growing more ferocious. Israel is influencing American politics. In, in uh, APAC was bragging yesterday that uh, ninety-eight, uh, I think ninety-eight percent of the people they supported won the primaries. And this is this is incredible. Spending over twenty million dollars, uh, so that the right even choosing people like uh, supporting people who uh, uh, you know endorsed the uh, attack against the the Congress uh, in Washington, uh, you know after the election when, when Trump lost, and people who refused to uh, verify the elections that uh, Biden. Uh, Biden won. So people who are bad to America, but because they are good to Israel, are going to do uh, to do this. In 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 Gaza, when uh, uh, when we talk about this about these organizations, 
uh, it, it brings back what Israel was doing here when it was in Gaza. Universities, schools, organizations, all banned, all closed. You can't, the university where I study and where I, I work, I teach now, was closed for years in the late uh, 80s and early 90s, like for two, three years. So it's just a university classes, teaching people English, Arabic, uh, chemistry, uh, another, uh, because Israel wants, like I said in the beginning, Israel wants to control every tiny little aspect of our, our lives, uh, whether this harms Israel or not, whether this uh, uh, exposes Israel uh, or not. Uh, recently, we've seen how many Israel, like, I'm reading a report on, uh, I think, uh, on uh, 972 magazine, the report that was published soon after the latest attacks, uh, that says, we killed a little kid, but it was within the rules. So former IDF soldiers reveal how the army authorizes strikes in Gaza, knowing civilians will be killed, so long as the number is deemed low, low enough. So Israel doesn't care. And Israel is not going, Israel knows it's not going to be impacted by those organizations documenting and reporting and exposing its, its war crimes and massacres. Never. It could impact, you know, they reach out to people who are on the fence, who don't know what Israel is, is, is doing. But Israel doesn't care about those people because in a way they have, you know, uh, usually the, the Biden's ear or uh, Trump's ear influencing him. Uh, sometimes there were reports about Trump okaying, uh, annexing the West Bank to, uh, to Netanyahu just a couple of weeks weeks ago. So the, the, the impact Israel has and the immunity Israel has uh, makes these uh, uh, you know, attacks against these organizations uh, or, or puts these attacks in the context that uh, Israel has always been doing, controlling us, controlling our lives, controlling, uh, because when you, when you close, the, close these organizations, you also look at uh, how many jobs you're going to lose when the people lose funds. Uh, I know the, the, some of the branches, these organizations have, they employ like hundreds of people sometimes. Like Israel again does when it attacks Gaza. Why would Israel bomb a high-rise building that has 50 small businesses? 50 small businesses that employ, uh, you know, uh, hundreds of people with uh, thousands of family members. So it comes in this context. Israel doesn't care about what these people, what these organizations uh, do, because very now we have Israeli organizations, again, which Israel uh, 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 tries to ban and boycott like uh, Beit Salem and others. Uh, despite the little work they do to us Palestinians, we don't think they're, they're doing enough to, again, to bring Israeli uh, leaders to, uh, to... So when when the very same thing the Palestinians are saying and doing and documenting and, and exposing is being documented and exposed by Israeli organizations, it means no matter how many organizations Israel closes, the truth is going to come out because of the social media, because of the videos, because of the the, the citizen journalists uh, reporting 24-7. So why close these organizations? Because Israel wants to be uh, the boss. Israel wants to, uh, to control our lives. How is, finally, how do you 
how do you talk about this with your young kids? Um, how do you kind of re- repair over and over again these wounds? Um, and you know, and 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 the the children, the other children in your family in your neighborhood. Um, I mean, how 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 do you keep moving forward under these conditions? Uh, I don't know if we try even to move from this uh, these attacks, but you can't escape them. They are unescapable. They are all over the place. Uh, every time bil- uh, buildings are destroyed, kids lose uh, loved ones, parents lose kids, and if you don't uh, talk to your kids about them, they will know because they know that. Uh, I, I can't remember which one of my daughters was asking my wife why Hamza doesn't have a father. Where is his father? I mean, how are you going to tell her that Israel killed him in 2014? And what does it mean? What does it mean? How, how are you going to wear this? And then sometimes you, like I just said, you listen to the kids talking to each other, talking about. Uh, somebody's uh, father being killed by Israel, Israel killing this person or killing that, killing that person. It's the most difficult thing is uh, trying to uh, go on in life, uh, lead a normal life, uh, knowing like sometimes what happened is something that happened. It's in the past. It's never in the past, of course, but knowing pretty well that this is going to happen soon. And sometimes you could predict it, but this time it was like Israel said, it's preemptive because some Palestinian was thinking of one day trying maybe to harm Israel. Everybody in Gaza wants to harm Israel, the occupation. We all want so because we want an end to the Israel occupation. Is this harming anybody working for Palestine, anybody supporting Palestine, doing activism for Palestine? is very quickly accused of being anti-Semitic, even a Nazi, even every horrible thing. So what I'm saying is that, uh, the, like again, many people spoke about this and wrote about this. There are no post. There is no post-war trauma in Gaza because the war never ends and the trauma never ends. And again, we have to go through this very difficult mission of trying to make the kids understand. Sometimes we do, sometimes we succeed, sometimes we fail. And in the article I said, because the lies are no longer uh, believed by the kids, they, they grow up and they listen to older kids talking about missiles and war and, and, and assassinations and killings. And then uh, you have to go through it every, every couple of years, sometimes every, every year. I think I, I, I can't find the words to describe this, this feeling. And... There is also, when we talk about the kids, there is also the, the, the adults, the kids, the, your, kid, your children who are now 15 or 16 or 17. It's, it's also very difficult. Those who, are, who, were, who were born, for example, my, uh, I have two kids who finished high school and they went through like five wars now, four wars. And on many occasions they lost friends, they lost family members, they lost cousins and relatives. Sometimes you don't just want to talk about it because nothing makes sense because you know it's going to happen again. 
But we keep hoping there is always this thing about Palestinians in Gaza. We keep hoping, we keep believing in, uh, in, in the fact that no occupation will, uh, will live forever. No, uh, no colonial project like Israel will remain forever. Look what happened to the British Empire. Look what happened to many other occupations around, around the world. If, if it's not in our lifetimes, hopefully it will be uh, in the lifetimes of our, of our kids. But there is one, one thing that is very certain. We can't remain silent. We know Israel is so powerful. We know Israel has all it, it wants to control and to, to, to impose its horrible military rule on us. But we can't just stand or remain silent because we know in the future people will look back and say, thank you for doing what you could and let's continue this struggle until Palestine is free. That's Rifat Alarir. He uh, is an educator and a writer in Gaza. Um, his Twitter is at itranslate123. Um, and his most recent article on the Electronic Intifada uh, is Without Consequences, Israel Will Continue to Murder Palestinians. We'll have a link to that and to um, your work on the blog post that accompanies this episode. Rifat, as always, thank you so much for what you do and um, for being a contributor to the EI and uh, for being with us today on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you very much, Nora, and thank you, Asa. Thanks so much. Thanks for watching this video. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit like, leave a comment. These engagements help us with the YouTube algorithm and it helps us to get around Silicon Valley censorship as much as possible. It does make a difference. You can also support our journalism by going to electronicintifada.net and clicking on donate now. Thank you.